you think your boss is judging you fairly, what effect does their opinion have on your performance? Today, we are diving deep into our data to prove that if your boss thinks you're awesome, you will become more awesome. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm your host, Brianna Corin, and with me today is renowned psychometrician and my father, Joe Folkman. Hi, Bri. Today, we are discussing the awesomeness effect. When I first got married, I had a big learning curve when it came to cooking family meals. In college, I lived on a steady diet of quesadillas and toast. <laughs> or you swung by the house and ate dinners that mom made. Very true. I was lucky I lived closer. I might have starved. But when I got married and started cooking for my husband, I was a little nervous. Luckily, I married a man who was pretty easy to please, and it seemed... No matter what I tried to make, he, mmm, and oh, this is so amazing, over dinner. But his response had a strange effect on me. It made me want to be a better cook. And so I started reading and watching videos and learning more tips and tricks and, and trying harder recipes, and I got better. And maybe that was his secret plan all along, because I don't think the food tasted that good. In, in fact, I'm pretty sure it didn't. But I experienced firsthand that effect that when someone thinks you're awesome, you will become more awesome. Now, can this phenomenon happen in the office? If your boss thinks you're awesome, will that make you more awesome? This question came to us recently. We were working with the top three levels of management in a multinational company. When asked to write uh, their direct reports on a 360 evaluation, some managers were consistently rated higher and others consistently rated lower than average. Was the rating a result of bias? And what kind of effect did those ratings have on the people who worked for them? Great question, and we wondered the same things. To understand this better, we looked at a larger set of 360 data to identify 50 of the company's managers who rated their direct reports significantly more positively than anyone else, on 49 behaviors that were evaluated on a five-point scale. So you're saying that they gave a higher percentage of their subordinates top marks than their colleagues did. Exactly. We also identified 31 managers who consistently rated their direct reports significantly lower than their colleagues. Now, the difference is stark. Only 18.4% of the people working for the positive rating managers or easy graders were judged as merely competent. That is just average compared to fully 51.4% of those working for the negative rating managers. Clearly, these were harder graders. So negative rating bosses rated the majority of their people just as merely competent, but the positive raters gave more people higher scores. Yeah, the easy graders put 48% of their workers in the strength category over the competent category. Okay, okay. So the scale that they're rated on is a five, one to five scale. Competent was three, 
Strength was four. Outstanding strength is five. So how many direct reports received ones, which means uh, needs and significant improvement? While neither group judged even 1% of their workers as truly problematic and in need of significant improvement, almost 14% of those working for the negative rating managers were rated as needing some improvement compared to only 3% of those working for the positive rating bosses. Now, that was a lot of numbers. <laughs> so <laughs> let's dig in and answer all of your burning questions. Are the positive rating managers indulging in grade inflation? Do the lower ratings actually represent a more objective and deserved analysis of a subordinate's performance? Or perhaps the ratings are in some way self-fulfilling and the leaders who see the best in their people actually make them better while those who look more critically make their subordinates worse? Well, you know, Brie, I favor the second interpretation. Since whether deserved or not, the psychological effect of these ratings was dramatic. Anyone who joined us in the discussions with the subordinates of these two sets of managers would have instantly seen the impact. The people who received the more positive ratings felt lifted up and supported. And that vote of confidence made them more optimistic about their future improvement. Conversely, subordinates rated by their consistently tougher managers were confused or discouraged or both. They felt they were not valued or trusted and that it was impossible to succeed. You know, as I looked through these graphs and numbers, you're right, you can see the feelings directly translated into higher or lower levels of engagement. Engagement scores for those working under the negative Raiders, those hard graders, averaged in the 47th percentile, whereas the scores for those reporting to the positive raters averaged in the 60th percentile. And that's significant. Well, it's possible that the negative rating managers simply had more than their fair share of less, in, less engaged employees. But we believe it's far more likely that the explanation is that everyone's engagement levels started out roughly the same and that widely different daily interactions had this strong impact on engagement levels. Uh, maybe because working for a boss that thinks your work is never good enough, is it's, it's not super motivating. <laughs> well, that's true, Bree. You probably remember a college professor who gave a f only a few A grades and fail most of their students. Uh, now their assumption is that students will work much harder when the expectation are much higher. Hmm. I think this is the thought process of these leaders. They believe that by having high standards, they would get more effort from their employees. This is a particularly alarming possibility when you consider the motives of those who gave consistently lower ratings. We frequently heard them say something like, I want my people to get the message that I have high expectations. The problem was that their direct reports felt there was no way that they could win. Nothing they did was ever good enough. Those who gave high marks to their people also had high expectations, but they were merely more focused on sending the message that they had confidence in their people. They truly felt that they had selected the best people for the positions and they expected them to succeed. 
such a stark difference in approaches. And one aspect of this that really surprised me was looking at the overall leadership ratings of these two groups. I know by now none of us are going to be that surprised to see that the bosses who rated everyone lower on their performance also got rated lower on their leadership abilities, while bosses who gave the highest marks to their teams in general got high marks on leadership as well. But the degree of difference was startling, with leadership ratings averaging only in the 19th percentile for the low raters and the 76th for the high raters. I mean, I think I read over those numbers like three or four times because that gap was so shocking to me. Well, to add to that, the subordinates or other associates also rated the leadership skills of their employees working for the low rating managers lower lower than those working for the high rating managers. (sighs) The gap was not nearly as great, but it was consistent and significant. It also shows that these biases and these rankings have become a self-fulfilling prophecy influencing subordinates' behavior to the extent that others ultimately can see it. If this is so, these tough graders aren't doing the organization any favors. There's an interesting study that's related to this issue about predicting non-marital romantic relationship dissolution. And this meta-analysis of 137 studies collected over 33 years with 37,000, over 37,000 participants. These studies were looking at factors that caused non-married couples to break up or stay together. And the number one factor that kept people together was something called positive illusion, which is essentially that the person you're dating thinks you're awesome. (laughs) I'm hoping that's working for me. (laughs) Is it possible then that if a boss thinks you're awesome, you will become more awesome? On a personal level, it's hard to dismiss. We've spoken to hundreds of leaders whose bosses thought they were awesome, and we know the impact is real. Tis the season for spreading cheer. We hope that you'll take this message and spread some to your colleagues. Let your gift this holiday season be to let people know how truly awesome they really are. You know, Dad, I think you're pretty awesome. Oh, you are too, Brie. And we will now both become more awesome. Yes, we will. (laughs) We shared a lot of awesome data, and I know you're dying to see all of those graphs and read more. So we will include a link to the original HBR article in our episode notes and on our podcast page on zengerfolkman.com. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Joe Folkman and produced by Sanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Sanger Folkman's award-winning 360 assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack Sanger and Joe Folkman, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and leave us a review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or on our podcast page on singerfolkman.com.